Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Hey, everybody, welcome back. I'm so glad that you came back with us on this next part where we are going to talk about eating disorders. We talked last time about disordered eating. Now let's talk about what an eating disorder is. Well, it's a complex condition and it's characterized by abnormal eating habits that impair your health or an individual's ability to function. That's, I think that's a kind of a key difference from disordered eating because we didn't talk too much in, in disordered eating about the, such an impact on your health mm-hmm. you know, or even like a, ability to function. I think you're functioning with disordered eating and just eating disorders kind of gets more into, you know, your, your life is kind of really being impacted and you don't, you, you know, just like addiction. Right. So there are three probably of the most common eating disorders and that's binge eating disorder, anorexia nervosa and bulimia nervosa. We've probably heard of all of those, but each one of them have their own set of symptoms. They're very different from one another. Usually Mm -hmm. people have, um, you can have one or more of these, uh, but uh, anorexia and bulimia are often, you know, two very different things. So let's jump in and take a look at each of these. So anorexia nervosa is a type of eating disorder that's characterized by an intense fear of gaining weight, um, severe restrictions of food intake, and just an overall distorted body image. So I think that's where that um, BDD, body dysmorphia disorder, comes into play. But they have a like an irrational fear of seeing themselves overweight, even when they're severely underweight. Mm-hmm. I think if you've ever watched any documentary or something informative about anorexia, you see, you know, the people who weigh like 80 pounds that they feel like they're fat and you mm-hmm. and they won't eat. They, you know, have to, if they are hospitalized, they fight to, you know, when people try to feed them intravenously because they're so afraid of that. And that is, that has to be so scary to people mm-hmm. who love you. And something to to note as well is anorexia nervosa has the highest mortality rate of any of the mental disorders. Wow. Of any of the mental disorders. That's a lot. That's mm-hmm. a lot. I've worked with clients uh, who have anorexia and it's, it's such a hard disease to battle. I mean, it really Mm -hmm. is. There's not any reality therapy. Let's, you know, that they've had people doing that all their lives. Right. It's a, it's an intense kind of treatment and people really usually do need hospitalization and an intense treatment. Yeah. And it's such a, I think it's really important that we say this, that, you know, with any eating disorder, it's, a lifelong challenge because Mm -hmm. you have to eat, you have to maintain, you know, a a diet, you have to consume food in order to survive. So it very much is something that, you know, it's not, I want to say it's not like alcoholism or drug addiction where you don't ever have to use alcohol or drugs again. Food is not something you can just sit down and never touch again. Exactly. Your relationship has to change. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be scary. That's got to be like, I have to have this to live 
that's the thing that I'm scared to death of. That I'm right. scared it's going to kill me, but without it, it's going to kill me. Right. So scared. Well, some of the actual symptoms are like an intense fear of gaining weight, severe restrictions on food intake, the distorted body image, excessive exercise, extreme weight loss, preoccupation with food and weight. And anorexia is associated with underweight, you know, being underweight, but you don't have to be underweight to get a diagnosis for anorexia in like the latest criteria for like the DSM. It just requires that you're losing a significant amount of weight through various uses of unhealthy behavior over a period mm. of time. The next disorder is binge eating disorder. Um, binge eating disorder is characterized by episodes of binge eating, followed by feelings of shame, guilt, and distress. Binge eating disorder is the most common type of eating disorder in the United States. And people that binge eat consume large amounts of food, even when they're not hungry. Um, they feel like they can't control themselves. So this is, I think, something that, I don't know, I feel like I've seen a lot on television, the binge eating, um, something that's that's probably, I don't know, would you say it's more common out I of the eating think, disorders? I think, I think so. I think so. And, and I think probably, again, because you can engage in this behavior without people necessarily recognizing that. Mm-hmm. Done in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, so many of our, social interactions involve food. And I don't think people necessarily rec see, you know, what people are eating, how they're eating or anything like that. Although some of this is done, you know, kind of in secret, some of it mm -hmm. is done in the wide open. And so some of those symptoms are like eating large quantities of food in a short period, feeling out of control while you're binging, eating when you aren't hungry and feeling really guilty, ashamed and distressed after engaging in those behaviors. Vicious cycle. Exactly. Exactly. Like I did not know what made me do that. I didn't want to or need to. And here we are. And oftentimes I think binge eating goes with anorexia nervosa, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it can also go with bulimia. True. And so bulimia is the next one. And bulimia is binge eating followed by purging behaviors like vomiting, taking laxatives. It's similar to anorexia in that it involves a distorted body image and a fear of weight gain, but the behavior that results from those fears are a little different. And so to be diagnosed, you have to binge and that means that you consume excessive amounts of food over the course of like two hours and it feels out of control. And then the repeated use of self-induced purging behaviors, laxatives, diuretics, vomiting, extreme exercise. So you don't gain weight. So you take in all the food and then get it out of you as quickly as possible. And you have to do that at least once a week for three months to meet the criteria of, you know, the actual diagnostic criteria. Mm. Yeah. Who came up with this criteria? Me. <laughs> once a week for a minimum of three months is the criteria that's wow yeah so other uh, types of eating disorders include avoidant restrictive food intake disorder arfid other specific feeding or eating disorders osfed night eating syndrome pica mm -hmm. 
That's which one is that? Pika. Uh, Pika is that one where people eat like powder, weird things, yeah. glass, and yeah, yeah. That's the one that 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 uh, my my strange addiction or my mm-hmm. weird whatever on television is so based around that yeah. one. And and of all the disorders there are, that's like the one that people have least. Like mm-hmm. less than one percent of the population has a yeah. Pika disorder, but we have an entire television show focused on it because it's so fascinating Mm -hmm. i had a client that had pica and she she ate baby powder Mm -hmm. yeah and i had to look it up and when i did i saw there were all these episodes and all the social media information about this disorder Mm -hmm. that i at the time and this has been 15 years ago had no idea even Mm -hmm. existed and sometimes pica, like, especially when it involves eating weird things has to do with, um, like your body is uh, craving a nutrient. Mm-hmm. Like, so it could be physiological. Mm-hmm. It's like the, what is it that pregnant women get sometimes where they crave certain like dirt or. Yeah. Anemia. Yeah. Is that what it I, is? Uh-huh. I have severe, I don't currently, I have to have it treated on occasion, like with uh, IV iron but i have a severe anemia and i when i have it i know i I chew a lot of ice Mm -hmm. so you either chew ice or eat dirt a lot of kids eat dirt (laughs) adults i guess they (laughs) this doesn't make make sense i'll just go to sonic and get some ice yeah (laughs) and then one of the other ones is a purging disorder which uh, is very similar to bulimia so what kind of signs could a person look for in themselves or someone else if they want to know if they have an eating disorder? So a few things, um, constantly feeling cold and wearing thick layers to stay warm, avoiding social situations where eating may be involved, engaging in periods of extreme food restrictions, so that calorie counting and you know just not allowing yourself to eat certain foods exercising excessively to prevent weight gain or to lose weight, hiding, stealing, or hoarding your food, only eating in private, so no public eating whatsoever. I've seen this. This was and There was an episode of The Real Housewives, and they talked about one of the characters, or one of the individuals, rather, has a eating disorder, and kind of one of the seasons followed her going to therapy and kind of changing her eating habits. And that was one of the one of the things was she was a very much a private eater. And when she would eat in public, it would only be like salads. She would just eat salad with no dressing and just lettuce, basically. Wow. And everyone else is just sitting there chatting. And that person is just thinking about every mm-hmm. ounce of calorie that they're getting when, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's overwhelming. Poor self-esteem is another one. Spending a lot of time prepping food for others and then refusing to eat yourself. That sounds miserable, cooking a meal and then not eating it. Symptoms of anxiety and depression and wearing baggy clothes to hide your weight loss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would imagine your weight gain as well. I understand some of these. I, I don't go anywhere without food. I just don't ever go anywhere without food. And I always want to know I have access to food, which to me is so similar to substance addiction. Mm-hmm. not wanting to go somewhere without having some su- the substance on you or knowing that you'll be able to get it when you get there. Interesting. I just don't want to be without um, food that I want to eat because I don't want to make bad choices or be in a situation where I get too hungry because mm-hmm. I know what happens to me when I get too hungry. If right. I don't eat 
if I don't eat, you know, frequently. That's a good point. I think that's that's one of those things that ties into the binge eating is not allowing yourself to eat consistently, mm -hmm. letting yourself get to the point of, you know, feeling very hungry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Leads and to bad choices. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would, I would get hungry and get start shaking and I would have to eat and I never ate things that were good for me. So that's mm -hmm. part of why I always some, just, just a power bar or something, but I always want to have something with me. Mm -hmm. and having an eating disorder, it takes up a lot of time and mental energy, you know, and, and that can interfere with your ability to function like just in, in normal life, you know, homework, school relationships and, um, people with eating disorders even avoid social events where, you know, like you were talking about the housewife, you know, just having to eat around other people. It, it, it is distressing. Yeah. I know my relationship with food, like I said earlier, has changed, but I can remember a time when I was so hyper aware of anything that I was eating or, you know, I've done the keto and the carb counting. I still am keto-ish, um, but I can remember times of that restriction and kind of not allowing myself certain things. And I don't know about you, but it's like as soon as I tell myself I can't have something, it is all I can think about. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. And if somebody else tells me I can't, I, I remember one time someone said, why don't you just do this instead of that? And they said it like they were trying to help. I can't remember what it was like. If you're going to eat chips, why don't you just put a few in a bowl instead of eating from the bag? Something <laughs> like that. And I was what? like, oh, screw you. And I'm going to eat the whole bag. You know, yeah. like, do not tell me how to eat something. Yeah. That's one of the things that I've kind of changed is like, you know, used to, if I went to Taco Bell, I would get three items and now I'll get one item. And if I want another item, I'll go the next day and get that item, but I don't have to have all three items in one day. Mm -hmm. Like it's not the end of the world. I don't have to save, like, it's just, that's, that's, that's a big change that I've made in my life. Like allowing myself to have certain things, but just having smaller portions. So it kind mm -hmm. of ties into that. Absolutely. Uh, when I am not being healthy, I'm sure anybody who wants to eat free food around me loves it because I would order all of it mm -hmm. and never eat all of it. But I want it right. just in case so I can have the choice. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I want two bites of that one. Now you can have it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I know I joke about this, but I've done a lot of work around it. You know, I've uh, one of the doctors that I still see because I have to take care of my health very seriously because of the autoimmune issue. But he says, I have a very complicated uh, relationship with eating. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes. Uh, but I've done a lot of um, work around it. I don't think I have body dysmorphia, like, and we talked about that uh, a little bit earlier. And that's just, you know, like, you have an intense focus on your appearance, your body image, check the mirror, grooming, seek reassurance, sometimes for hours during the day, you see flaws that nobody else sees and you feel like there's a flaw in your appearance that doesn't really exist. Mm -hmm. You feel overweight and you aren't. Uh, one of the uh, speakers and authors I read a ton about, and I actually am lucky enough to actually know him, is Brian Cuban. 
uh, Mark Cuban, the owner of the Dallas Mavericks uh, basketball team, his brother, prolific speaker and writer, uh, had, had body dysmorphia disorder, talks about it. I'm not saying anything out of turn. He talks about it publicly. And so if anybody's interested, he has great information. You can just go to his website, which is just Brian Cuban. Uh, com and he's got tons of stuff on YouTube, a couple of great books and um, very accessible, uh, very helpful. So if anybody's interested, I, 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 what I love is that he is a male. And a lot of times when we talk about body dysmorphia, we automatically think of women because women and diet and women and, and how you look is kind of socially kind of just a paired thing. Mm -hmm. And I love that he talks openly. He also had, had bulimia. He talks openly about it. And he's also uh, in recovery from a substance use uh, addiction. So a pretty, pretty neat reference and, and resource there. Yeah. And then I also think of uh, the one that you gave me as Janine Roth writer, and she's got a, a website too. Um, when food is love is the book mm -hmm. you re referred to me. And I will never forget reading that book um, because I read it on an airplane and I saw, was sobbing. I got <laughs> off and I either called you or text you. And you said, I remember you went, you read it on the airplane. <laughs> like, no, no, you should have been reading that in the privacy of your own. Like I had no idea that it was going to hit me the way that it did. Yeah. But uh, the one thing she gave an example of that I still cling to today is the example was someone who went home after a rough day and ordered a pizza and ended up eating the whole pizza and feeling like they were a total failure, just a, a, just all, all the bad things, you know, mm -hmm. because of that. And that everything was kaput now, all the dieting, all the stuff. And she said, if you do something, if you eat the whole pizza, it's just a thing. You just, you ate a whole pizza and it's nothing more, nothing less. It mm -hmm. isn't, it isn't who you are. It isn't equated to your abilities, your, your future, your past. It's just a thing, you know? Right. So that was a huge eye-opening moment for me. It's like food, like anything else. I'm aware of it. I try to keep aware of it, but I don't want it to engulf all of my life and it doesn't make me better or worse person what I choose to eat is just a choice and if I ever eat something wrong or or more than I think I should be eating of it it just is an event mm -hmm. it doesn't have to take down the rest of my day I think with this lady she said you know the result was well for the rest of the week then I'm just going to eat anything I want you know that that we don't have to treat it like that. If, if we fall into a situation like that, we just get right back up and continue right. down the healthy road rather than it being, oh, well, might as well just throw it all away now. Chumbawamba said it best. When I get knocked down, I get back <laughs> up again. <laughs> I mean, no one's ever said that anytime. That's <laughs> awesome. A Chumbawamba quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, there is definitely coping and prevention and help out there. If you recognize the signs of disordered eating, you can take steps to manage your behaviors, develop healthier relationships with food, um, finding coping methods that may help prevent your uh, the progression and the, the how that could lead to a full-fledged eating disorder. Um, some of those things may look like 
Well, number one is avoid fad diets and crash diets. They are highly restrictive. They lead to a lot of deprivation. We talked about it or, you know, before, like you get so hungry, you just want to eat anything. I remember eating and uh, doing the cabbage soup diet once. And by like day four, I found myself in the grocery store parking lot eating a, a big thing of a toll, a toll house or they little Keebler elves, the little Keebler elves guys eating <laughs> a bunch of their fudge striped cookies. I just went to the grocery store and got the first thing I could find because that is a restrictive fad diet. It isn't healthy. And so just avoid those. You know, you usually know a fad diet because like everybody in your office is on it now. It's on all the, the talk shows. It's the thing. It's the, you know, diet du jour. It's the thing to do right then. So try not to do those. They really result in cravings, overeating. And usually all inside what happens is you feel like you're a failure when you can't stick to them. You feel a lot of guilt. So just don't follow the fad diets. Focus rather on eating in moderation and don't label food, foods as being bad or good. Food mm. is just food. I think Oprah said it, damage it. You know, order what you want, put a portion on a plate, damage the rest so that you don't eat it. I thought that was, that was interesting when I saw that on an episode once. Oh, I remember my sister said something once to me like, um, I just bought a whole thing of Oreos. I'm afraid I'm going to eat them. And I said, spray right on them. <laughs> it's like, that's not normal. You know, that's not normal. So what um, else can we do? Positive self-talk. So avoiding mm. the no, the negative self-talk and self-criticism that often comes along with disordered eating, um, comparing your body to others, uh, just beating yourself up on your appearance and focusing on a just like you, you need to focus on appreciating your good qualities. Absolutely. I mean, look what our bodies do for us on a daily basis. You know, my body gave me a child, you know, I mean, my body gets up, it functions, it performs, it thinks it does all these wonderful things. Think about when you hurt yourself, your body heals itself. Mm -hmm. bodies are wonderful, amazing things. And we only have one. Why not love the one you have? I mean, this is what we've got. So one of the things that it mentions in here, um, uh, under, um, positive self-talk is the idea of using positive affirmations. And, um, I pulled up the positive affirmations that it suggests. And I, do you mind if I read a couple of them? No. Okay. So I think these are great. So a positive affirmation, short, simple, come up with it on your own based on what you need, what your emotions are. Uh, you can use some of the kind of pre-written affirmations, but here are just kind of some uh, examples to help you get started. Like I am a strong, capable person. I've done difficult things in my past and I can do them again. I'm allowed to feel upset, angry, sad sometimes. That's part of being a human being. And no is a complete sentence, and I don't have to explain or justify my boundaries. Whatever you're dealing with, just turn it into something positive. Make it a statement, the thing you want to become. Put it everywhere around you. Keep mm -hmm. reminding yourself of it. Write it on your bathroom mirror. Put it on post-it notes. Put it you know, anywhere you can see it. Mm -hmm. Make it a screen saver on your computer or your telephone. Mm -hmm. 
So the next one on our list is practicing body neutrality. So body neutrality has been discussed since uh, in the media since probably 2015, and it focuses on accepting your body as like a vehicle, basically, you know, just focusing on, you know, what your body needs, which is food, water, rest, and, and basic self-care rather than focusing on like the shape of your body, but just kind of learning to appreciate your body that can help improve your, your body image all overall and help combat disordered eating behaviors. Um, some of the strategies include avoiding weighing yourself every day, which we've talked about. I'm back. I cannot check that box. <laughs> um, limiting your exposure to unrealistic body standards and practicing gratitude. So that body standard one, man, that's a tough one with mm -hmm. social media. And, and I think we've touched on that a little bit, too. Like it's people get really hung up on the Kardashians and kind of all the celebrities that are posting, you know, their their changes that they've made. And that's a really tricky one. Do you remember when the thigh gap was all the rage and people <laughs> like sometimes that is just biology or genetics. Right. Some people can't have I can't have Kim Kardashian's um, booty. I won't ever have it without surgery. You know, I say, well, you can but... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for a price. <laughs> exactly. Well, and, and practicing gratitude, I noticed that come up in so many of the topics that we have. And I think gratitude is, is so important. I mean, it's, it's a, a positive emotion that comes from just being thankful and appreciative. So if we are thankful and appreciative of what our bodies can do, you know, maybe I don't have a thigh gap or Kim Kardashian's booty, but what my body does every day is amazing. And if I can just spend more time thinking about the things in my life that I am grateful for, you know, stopping to observe acknowledge all the wonderful things that are around me and that I do have thankful for the health that I do have thankful for the people that are positive and influential in my life or even stepping out of myself and my own thoughts and doing something for another person just doing an act of kindness for somebody just paying attention to the small things in our life and and giving thanks for those things can get us out of the negative thoughts that are constant sometimes when we have unrealistic body standards. I agree with all of those. Um, something else to think about is just mindful eating. Try mindful eating. Um, that practice just involves focusing entirely on the present moment. So, you know, being aware when you're eating, what you're eating, your surroundings, um, limiting your distractions and really just being focused on what you're consuming and what you're putting into your body, not watching TV or driving in your car, like those things that we've discussed, but just actually being aware of what you're consuming, how much you're consuming. It also sometimes is referred to as intuitive eating. So it can help you become more attuned with your body and learn to recognize when you're hungry. Um, that's something else that takes our body a few, you know, I, I can't remember how long it takes, but it's a good amount of time from the time that we actually are full to the time that our brain registers that we're full. So, you know, eating mindfully and being aware and slowly kind of consuming gives you more time for your brain to register I'm full. I can be full and overeat that by however long that time is just because I'm eating so fast or eating, you know, so much. So just being aware of that. Because mm -hmm. then you can be miserable. I mean, and, right. And that's not definitely not healthy eating when you eat so much and so quickly that you're miserable. At, up at, uh, up at 
the university, we used to have mindful eating lunches. We would do it like once a month or once a week. And those were really interesting. Uh, the mindful eating is just paying attention to each bite you take, chewing your food slowly. So you savor the taste and the, the introductory activity for mindful eating is taking a raisin and like looking at it, looking at it, at it and all the shapes and how it looks and the color and the texture and then putting it in your mouth and, and biting it and thinking of how it feels, how it tastes and chewing it and chewing it and, and just being attentive to each little bite. And it takes quite some time to do that, but it is a neat activity just to pay attention to all the pieces and parts of what eating actually involves. And you can also do mindfulness in like your act interactions with other people, listening to what they're saying. And when we listen to people and we're staying in the present conversation, we're not judgmental of them. We're not anxious about the past. We're not anxious about the future. And if you've ever walked into a room and forgotten the reason you're there, like, what did I come in here for? That's probably a big sign that you have too much going on, that you have too much stress, too much on your mind. So being mindful can help you with even that. You're mindful because you're focusing on what's happening in front of you in the moment rather than thinking of the, not thinking about the past with regret and the future with anxiety. Very interesting. I definitely have done that a few times. <laughs> yeah. I never know if it's my, my stress or my age. Right. It's hard to tell. Um, fine relaxation techniques. So when you're under stress, your body is likely producing higher levels of cortisol. Cortisol is our stress hormone that tends to make us crave um, sweet and salty food. Uh, the stuff that's generally not good for us, basically. Mm. If you're experiencing stress on a regular basis and aren't finding ways to relax your body quickly, cortisol could be creating these cravings as well as contributing to other health problems. There are a few things on our list here that can help kind of relieve stress. Polly, you want to go into those? I do. And I always think of that uh, commercial where it shows that an excess cortisol creates excess body weight in mm. your stomach region. And that's like one of the most dangerous places health-wise to, to create it. But so we're talking about disordered and eating disorders. And the stress causes your body to give you what you absolutely don't want is right. excess weight. So stress management, there are a range of techniques and strategies and therapies for stress management. Overall goal is to just lower your stress level, to improve your happiness, your health, your just overall well-being. So some of the strategies are deep breathing, getting enough sleep, guided visualizations, getting some hobbies, some leisure activities that you engage in, not just that you like, but you engage in them. Maybe some meditation, some mindfulness, thinking positively, some progressive muscle relaxation, going to therapy and having social support, doing yoga. Those are some of the long-term positive uh, activities you can do that can affect long-term stress. I think um, I would add exercise to that list. Without a <laughs> doubt. Absolutely. And a healthy diet's definitely yes. going to help there. Yes. All right. Coping in healthy ways. So making sure that you're not using food to deal or to avoid your emotions. Um, a lot of times we will eat to avoid anger, frustration, fear, and some things that you can do to help kind of cope with your emotions rather than eating would be maybe talking to a friend, reaching out to your social support, 
um, that can go a long way towards helping you process feelings and, and getting the support that you need to move past those. Um, journaling, we talk about this a lot, processing your feelings through writing, um, that helps manage and manage our stress way beyond kind of what we can even understand. I think, mm -hmm. um, if you feel like you're reaching for unhealthy food, reach for the pen instead, you know, grab your journal, grab your phone, do a voice recording, do what you need to do. I think pen to paper is like the best thing, but you know, if that's just not something realistic for you, just tap, you know, pulling up the notes on your phone and typing something up quickly, um, that can help. Absolutely. And then the next one is just exercising. So making sure that you've got your body moving. Um, it's a great way to get your blood flowing, get oxygenation, get your endorphins going. Um, and it's just a healthier option than overeating. Absolutely. I heard someone on a podcast being interviewed the other day about how they got over negative self-talk and negative um, reactions and just in life. And they said it was the, they had been in, in, therapy and treatment multiple times and just nothing seemed to be a real skill that they could do that stuck. But this one therapist gave him this idea that every time he started like bad mouthing himself saying you're so stupid and all the things that he would say to himself is that he would get on his telephone and make voice notes and he would leave a message about the problem he was going through as if he was giving advice to a friend on how to handle it. Mm. And he said, you know, never once do I tell my friend you're so stupid and say all the things I would say to myself. And he said it was like this real behavior that just changed everything for him. Mm. I like that. I never thought of it before. So the last one on our list here is facing your problems. Um, if you're using food to muffle your feelings or difficult relationships, try assertiveness instead. If food is your only treat at your job you hate, try techniques like finding satisfaction at your job. Get a different job. Look for something <laughs> different, a different career. If you look to solution-based coping mechanism, it's going to help cut down on your stress and your life, and it's just going to help overall, um, and you won't need food to help you cope. And we discussed some healthy stress management earlier, like that you do on a regular basis to cut down on stress, like in the long term, but there are some things you can do in the short term. If like if you're about to go for a job interview and you just need some quick stress management or you're overwhelmed in, in the moment and you have to, you need to get rid of it quickly. Something like deep breathing or just a quick guided imagery are two things that you can do really fast. It acts fast. It can be done anywhere. And also they're completely free. Mm -hmm. well, I, I love me some free things. Oh, me, me too. And quick. I'm all about the quick fix. <laughs> You know, and you, you can't always take a pill for it. So why not just breathe it out? Right. I think we covered a lot in these two episodes on disordered eating and eating disorders. We did. We did. And obviously there's going to be a lot of resources in our show notes for mm -hmm. folks. If you know someone that's struggling or you're struggling yourself, there's a national hotline and um, some information on where we found this information will be all listed. Feel free to peruse that in your leisure. And if you or someone that you love has an eating disorder, you can reach out to Netta at any time at 1-800-931-2237. Awesome sauce. Well, as always, don't forget that knowledge leads to a life lived better. Thank you for listening to Life Lived Better with Paula and Joseph. 